This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Hello, 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 everyone, and good morning, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, and if there are a few times throughout the podcast that I end up coughing while I'm doing my bit, I do apologize. I woke up with a really scratchy throat for some reason, even though I had been sick like about two or three weeks ago, apparently just the the season said, Tia, you need to get sick again. So that's what's happening this morning, but we will uh, press through it as always. And with me on this journey, as always, is Brittany. Actually, Brittany, you weren't on the top 10 last week and we missed you. Aw, you're such a liar, but aw. No, I'm sorry. I know, I hadn't seen The Witcher yet. I got slightly distracted because one of my cats decided to get the zoomies and apparently completely attach his body to the underside of the mattress and do, like, a walk around like that. So, yeah, cats, mornings, we know how it is. Brittany getting distracted? No. <laughs> what? I, I should uh, sue you for slander. <laughs> you would get nothing. I have nothing. But <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, but because Brittany wasn't with us last week for The Witcher, we have her back today. And I think, personally, it's a really fun and exciting topic, and that topic is the top 10 music moments in the MCU. Now, from that title, you may not know exactly what I mean, but I'm going to use the best example that I can come up with and the one that I actually used to explain it to Brittany. And in Thor Ragnarok, when Thor comes and descends down upon Hela's army and Led Zeppelin's immigrant song is playing in the background. Moments like that. And we've had a lot of awesome moments, as Brittany and I were talking about in the pre-show, especially in Guardians of the Galaxy, where you just have epic soundtracks playing while our heroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are kicking ass. And I just thought that would be a lot of fun because those are moments that we get really excited about when we see the movies in theaters and the ones that kind of stay with us even afterwards. So I just thought, hey, why not? Let's have a lot of fun this morning on our top 10 and let's just kind of kick it off. Brittany, give us your number 10. Can I say, when I was looking at my list, do you ever have where you love everything on your list so much? You're like, man, how about I even put this at the bottom? But um, I'm going to put, do you remember at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when uh, everything's like going to hell and Baby Groot's running around and Mr. Blue Sky Uh is playing? 
Yes. I love the song, Mr. Blue Sky, but it's such like a calm, relaxing, happy song, while the rest you have just utter fucking destruction raining down, and you have uh, Rocket trying to take care of his child as everything is going on, and everybody's just like, okay, baby, you know, stay out of trouble, we're trying to, you know, not all get murdered, but I love Mr. Blue Sky, first off. I know I just said that, but I literally, I have that song on my playlist, and it plays it probably at least once every day. So to hear it, it, like, Guardians of the Galaxy is already great at the soundtracks. That's what me and T were talking about before the show, is that they put so much work into it. And honestly, you know, a lot of people, you know, Marvel can be targeted towards uh, younger people a lot, even though, you know, say my dad grew up with Marvel and DC and, you know, all the comics and everything. But my dad loved Guardians of the Galaxy because that was also the music he grew up with. So, you know, you have that personal touch to the older generations, too, while also bringing in music that possibly younger people hadn't heard before. But... As for that scene, it just makes me giggle. It very it set the tone for Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah, it's uh, James Gunn has done such an amazing job crafting a perfect soundtrack for both of his movies, and I love that scene uh, because when it first starts, you think that you're going to see like the epic battle between the Guardians and this like weird with monster, but instead it's like, no, let's just concentrate on baby Groot dancing, and no one's going to complain about that. <laughs> yeah, I love that, just like as soon as it starts, like, dun, 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 dun. and it's like so happy, and Groot's kind of like just chilling and dancing, and I love like the little things where, um, as you said, Rocket's like trying to get him to like spit something out, or uh, Gamora's like, get out of the way, it's dangerous, and Baby Groot, like, waves, and she's like, hi! <laughs> like, it's such a thing for, like, interacting with a kid, pretty much, and I do absolutely love that scene and how it started out, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and I do wish that we got more of, of Baby Groot, because I feel like we got, like, uh, the most we got was, like, teenage Groot, right? We had, like, full-grown Groot in the first one. We had baby Groot in the second one. And then we had teenage Groot in Infinity War and Endgame. And it's like, I wish Those we had teenage more... Groot was a little shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, baby Groot was the best. They were just, like, dancing around. I love that scene so much. And I actually didn't know what the name of that song was. I just know it from, like, the uh, the beginning bars to it are just so good. There was, um, though, speaking of Baby Groot, quick side note, I, I thought the memes were pretty freaking funny. Um, I would literally burn Baby Groot alive to keep Baby Yoda alive. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, no. Like, apparently there is, like, a war between you know, everybody was so obsessed with Baby Groot to now Baby Yoda is the new cute thing. And I'm like, oh, Baby Groot, you were the flavor of last week. That is kind of true because Kelly loves Baby Groot, right? Like a year ago, everything that 
you know, when we were exchanging for Christmas, say she wanted baby Groot memorabilia. She, you know, had like baby Groot on her desktop, like home screen, you know, yada, yada. As soon as baby Yoda came onto the scene, it was like an immediate switch, like baby Yoda, baby Yoda. So it is like the war between baby Groot and baby Yoda. But I choose not to pick because they are both amazing and adorable. And Baby Groot was an entire, like, treasure to the entire Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And just how all of them became, like, the parents for this child. <laughs> right. This is how, this is what happens with children, the child stars, right? The, the new big thing comes <laughs> out and suddenly everybody forgets. Oh, no. Now I'm sad. <laughs> Aw, why'd you have to turn it that way, Brittany? Brittany, Brittany. <laughs> but I, I love it, Brittany. This is an amazing pick, I think, not only because it started off Guardians of the Galaxy 2 so well, but because it's a great start to our own little podcast here. So I love it. Um, and I'm going to pick number nine. And it's also going to be another Guardians of the Galaxy moment just because I feel like so many are going to be. And it's going to, as you said, like I love so much of my picks that it's like how do you kind of place them, but I think that this is a good way to place it. And I'm going to say three words, and I'm going to like wonder if you are going to get what scene I'm talking about. Oh, no, I'm scared. Dance off, bro. Uh, end of Guardians of the Galaxy 1? Yes. I yes, with Ronan. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but Ronan's complete, like, disbelief face, like, had me just, like, dying. Like, he, he's such a stoic, mean character, and I'm just, like, looking so confused and, like, highly concerned just made me laugh. It's so funny because I don't think any of us expected that because we're watching this movie. It's intense, you know. I mean, there was a lot of funny parts, obviously, but, you know, that final battle, you know, is intense. And Ronan comes out and and he's ready to kill all of the, all of Xandar. And so you think like this, and all of a sudden you just have Peter Cole going, ooh, child, things are going to get easier. And you're like, what? And it's like we were all Ronan in that moment and he's like, what do you do? <laughs> he suddenly like start emphasizing with uh, the main villain of the story. <laughs> exactly. And, it's like, and Peter Cole's like, dance off, bro. You and me. And I, one of my favorite parts is like he's like, you know, he's dancing and he's like singing off the acapella and he goes to like Gamora. He's like, and Gamora. And she's just like, no. And he's like, okay, and come back, you know? And it's just so funny. And you're and you're still sitting there like not understanding why Peter has chosen in this moment to just start singing. And so finally when Ronan's like, What are you doing? And he's like, I'm distracting you, you big turd blossom and then you just see freaking Drax and Rocket like, you know, having put together their weapon and just blasting Ronan's weapon to pieces. So it's like, it was so hilarious because it's like, who thinks about that? Who's like, okay, we need to get a moment that distracts Ronan so that we can build a cannon to destroy his weapon. What should we do? 
we'll have Peter Quill singing Ooh Child. Like, it's just so amazing. So that's going to be my number nine. Uh, Brittany, just please, like, let's talk about this scene. I, I'm very happy about this scene because, you know, what's funny is that Guardians of the Galaxy, in a way, reminds me of a PG-13 rated Deadpool in some aspects. Where something it takes you totally by surprise, but it's like a good thing. I enjoy every part of Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoyed one and two. Like, you know, some Marvel movies they stress me out. They like it. It's kind of like I love all the Marvel movies that say um, I'm trying to like relate it to one. But one that is like super stressful and you know kind of has this undertone. It's kind of like I love, um, which one is it? I think it's Winter Soldier, but you do have, like, oh, you know, there's Bucky, you know, but it's also really sad, and, you know, there's, you know, Steve trying to get his best buddy back, and or, like, Civil War, you know, which was still funny, but, you know, had a stressful moment. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy is just pure, like, they're like, we gave you sadness in the beginning with his mother, and now it's just going to be a freaking roller coaster of just, like, humor. And sometimes that's kind of nice. Well, I do have to say that I love The Winter Soldier. I can watch that any day of the week, but... Um, I love it, too, of... but it's stressful. <laughs> but speaking about the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 with his mother... I absolutely loved in the scene that's, like, right after the dance-off bro scene where, um, you know, Peter is holding the Infinity Stone and Gamora is, like, yelling at him. Not yelling, but, like, shouting at him to take her hand. And he's imagining that it's his mom's hand. And it's, like, this is his moment to, like, finally do that. Whereas he wasn't able to do that with his mom. He can do it in this moment. And I love that. Like, I love that whole entire, like, scene of all of them slowly, like, holding Peter Quill. And I have to mention this because I've noticed it recently, like, why that one scene is so epic, and I know this kind of is going off track, but it's like, why is it so epic? And it's like, if you look back, right, when they're in that whole infinity cloud and they're all slowly holding on to him and the camera is, like, shaking, right? It's like the whole thing is shaking, and it's like you realize yeah. that once they, it's like you realize that once they all grab onto him, all of a sudden the camera like stays still because it's like now they're all in like perfect harmony with each other. And I just love that where it's like where Ronan's Stop like, it, how that's so good. <laughs> Ronan's like, how you're mortal. And what does he go? He goes, you sit yourself for the Guardians of the Galaxy, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's what also gets me is like. Like, Peter is such a, you know, he, when he was taken as a child, which I know all those songs are, like, I think from the late 70s, but, you know, you know, it's what an 80s kid would grow up with, right? Like, I'm trying to think, sort of like my mom and dad, I think, were born, like, 1971, 1972. So, you know, to my parents, they consider themselves, you know, this is why the 90s kids think confuses them because even though they were born in the early 70s they count themselves as 80s kids because that's like they were old enough to appreciate what they were witnessing so to see Peter kind of like take on 
you know, kind of the tropes of the TV at the time, they, you know, was wanting to be, like, super cool, you know, and the superheroes and, you know, kind of having, like, it's almost in a way that he didn't grow up, but also he kind of was raised by a criminal, so there was that, too. <laughs> I mean, I could dissect the whole uh, thing from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where Peter Quill said that he always imagined his father as David Hasselhoff, and when he looked back, Yondu was kind of like David Hasselhoff, and he had a good dad growing up. But that's not this type of podcast, and we don't need to cry right now. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yondu was um, wrong. And before we move on really quick, Peter Quill did nothing wrong. But, uh, Brittany, what is your number? Whoa, whoa, eight? whoa. Peter Quill did nothing wrong. But anyway, <laughs> Peter Quill did nothing wrong. Everyone wants to blame him for Infinity War, all right? But we've already seen how he reacts when he finds that the people that he's loved have been killed. He did it in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when Ego revealed that he put a tumor in his mother's head. He immediately flew off the handle. What did you guys think was going to happen when he found out that Thanos killed Gamora? I'm done. But anyway, Brittany, what is your number eight for our list? <laughs> I haven't had a Guardians of the Galaxy one, but I may put another one in place of it because uh, that way we don't have the first, like, three be Guardians of the Galaxy. But um, I think – I'm trying to think if I have the scene right and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Captain Marvel, it had – you know, it, had, it definitely had its flaws, but you know – I do really like Captain Marvel, but what really got me is, you know, the uh, No Doubt song, Just a Girl, and that song starts playing, I think, when she fully, like, realizes her full power, and she's going toe-to-toe with all those aliens at the very end that have, like, captured her, and she just goes full, like, Super Saiyan mode as that song is playing, which, epic song, by the way. You know, for a movie that's supposed to be, like, empowering, like, and that's what they said. It's supposed to be about more female power than, like, women empowerment. And so they hear that song as she's just becoming, like, legitimately the strongest force in uh, in the Marvel, in Marvel Universe, especially we saw Thanos try to headbutt her. We saw how well that went when we saw how well uh, Thanos beat up the Hulk. So to see that scene of just, I don't know why it just cracked me up so much to hear that song that she's going Super Saiyan, but that's going to be like, I think technically it's number three, right? Yes. Um, I have to say that I was going to put this next. This is going to be my next. uh, (laughs) No, but it's okay. I have plenty of others. Um, First of all, I have to say really quick that I have decided, and I am am making it law, Brittany, that whenever we talk about Captain Marvel, we no longer have to say, well, it had its flaws. We do not have to defend Captain Marvel. It is not our duty as women to defend that it wasn't a (laughs) – say 100% great just to make those out there listening, you know, okay with themselves. No one does that for Iron Man 3 or Thor The Dark World or Age of Ultron. So we are not doing it for Captain Marvel. Anyway, off my high horse for a second. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. 
obviously, I love this fucking scene. I saw some people like, oh, it was so out of place. And I'm like, move along, jackass. Uh, but <laughs> I, do you know how exciting that was in the theater for me? Because I have always loved, no doubt, I have always loved Just a Girl. It is an anthem for any fucking feminist out there. And hi, yes, those who are listening, I'm a feminist. Um, and for anyone like me, of course, Just, just a Girl is like peak anthem. And so to see this movie that all the man babies were crying over constantly um, in the movie that you just legitimately put the anthem while she's kicking ass, I loved it. I thought it it was perfect. You know, it's Captain Marvel, as you said, finally realizing her strength and her potential, going up against the people who, as far as she had known, were supposed to be her friends, were supposed to be her family. Um, and then she pretty much just finds out that, the Cree, um, you know, kidnapped her essentially and brainwashed her. So her going up against it. And we see in the movie that those themes of, you know, being just a girl were there. You know, she was a flight pilot during a time where women really weren't doing that. Uh, we see, you know, her father telling her that she doesn't belong out in the field. You know, we see those uh, in, like, training for being a flight pilot telling her that she doesn't deserve to be there. Uh, and so we see all of that. And, you know, even the moment where, you know, she's looking at the map and that one guy's like, hey, sweetheart, smile a little. And so to have, like, yes, it's like, okay, yeah, you got your ass kicked by just a girl, you know? And it's like, I love it. It reminds me really quick, like, totally off topic. But there is this scene in the first season of iZombie where Liv got uh, Liv ate the brain of like someone who was into martial arts, so she was able to kick the ass of this one bad guy. And as he's like taking, as the cops are like taking him away, he's like, he's like, she had like superhuman strength. How did she do that? And she's like, I'm just a girl. You got your ass kicked by just a girl. And it's like, it's oh. to me that's what. To me, that's what this scene reminded me of, and that's why I loved it so much. I, you know, love the music. I love the action sequence, and I thought it was pretty badass. Like, I love where um, uh, there was this one scene where she's, like, fighting in it, and, like, the guy who's, like, fighting her, where he's just, like, he's, like, I don't want to do this to you or something, and she's, like, okay, so don't, you know? Or then, like, she's battling against the other, like, Cree woman, and uh, Carol Danvers is like, you knew all along, didn't you? She's like, is that why we never hung out? And the girl's like, no, I just didn't like you. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. darling, <laughs> I just loved it so much. Like, I'm sorry, that that scene is such a guilty pleasure for me, and I enjoy it every single time that I watch Captain Marvel, because I'm like, I don't care. Like, you can say that it was out of place. Um, it was not out of place to me. I I loved it, and I hope that Captain Marvel 2, whenever it comes out, has more scenes like that to make more man babies cry. I do not care. At this point, I'm tired of it. I don't care, Brittany. You know, uh, <laughs> I almost said probably the same people that cry about it are also the uh, release the Snyder Cut people. 
There are also people, all the people who like bitched and moaned about Captain Marvel being a feminist like movie are the same ones that when uh, Brie Larson was on some sort of talk show recently and she wore this dress that was kind of revealing. Then all of a sudden you saw all these guys online like, oh, Brie Larson's so beautiful. Look at her boobs. And it's like, you guys are the same assholes that like a year ago were like making sure that Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie like a bad score. Some people are wild with, like, some people make it, like, their personal mission to, like, really just be fun something. They really do, and I don't understand it, but I do love this scene, Brittany. Like, uh, as soon as you were, like, in Catherine Marvel, just the girl's like, oh, that was my scene. <laughs> hey, it's not yours anymore now. It's mine. <laughs> no, but I love it. I love it. Um, it's perfect. Uh, and I don't know. You know what's funny? <laughs> the more that I watch Captain Marvel, I kind of end up liking it more. I don't know. That's just I, me. Like I wa- Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was saying I agree. But I, there's another movie that's like that for me, and I can't remember which one it is. There's one movie I couldn't stand the first time I watched it. And by the second time, I was like, oh, I like this. That it might have been me. the first Thor. I didn't like the first Thor. I was going to say really quick for me, it was Doctor Strange. I did not like Doctor Strange the first time I saw it. But then when I watched it again after having seen Infinity War, I loved it. And then Paulie and I recently watched it. And I was like, yeah, this is a good movie. Why did I hate it so much the first time? But um, I think with the first Thor... I did like the first Thor just because of Loki. So I walked away thinking it was like the best. (laughs) I walked away thinking that was like the best movie ever. And then when I went back and watched it, I was like, this movie's like not good. I only like honed in and focused on Loki, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing to do with like uh, your obsession with Loki. No, that wasn't it at all. I didn't have, like, you know, uh, goggles on for just Loki, and that's the only reason why I ever considered it a good movie. No, totally. Totally. (laughs) You know what? You're so right, Tia. How dare I uh, doubt you? I know. It honestly is, like, a problem of yours. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, this is – no, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just, like, as we were teasing, I was like, is this going to be a Beatles moment, you know, when they start arguing and then, like, they break up the band? No, no, no. We're not going to Yoko Ono this shit. Um, oh, no. So, <laughs> uh, let's move on. I absolutely love your pick, obviously, and I will go with my number seven. Um. What was I going to say? You've seen Far From Home, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, hang on. I'm, like, writing it down so that I can, like, all right. So, remember the scene where Peter Parker, like, meets up with Happy in, like, Normandy or something, right, in that flower field, and they have, like, their little powwow and stuff. And then, uh, freaking, you know, Peter Parker's, like, okay, I need a suit, and Happy's like, here you go, like, here, make your suit. He's like, but don't worry, I got the music. And he and he plays Back in Black by ACDC, which 
which is, you know, like Tony's theme song. And Peter Parker goes, oh, I love Led Zeppelin. (laughs) And I just thought that was such, like, an adorable and cute moment because it's like Peter is just such a millennial. I know, like, that word. But, like, such a – but also kind of like a pop culture, like, history buff almost. And the fact that he's just like he like he's so confident in that answer, right? He's so sure. confident in that. I love Led Zeppelin. And it's like, oh, honey, no, no, not at all. Like last year, like this long, like I'm about please. to become this kid's stepdad, and this is the shit I gotta deal with. <laughs> right? If Tony Stark was alive. <laughs> You would not be happy right now. <laughs> I just thought it was so cute. Like, you know, happy. Like, first of all, the progression of happy alone in the MCU. And I love that because in the first movie in Homecoming, you know, happy was just so grumpy to Peter all the time. And then you see him take more of like a shining, uh, a shine to Peter in the second one. And especially in that moment, I love him first of all like telling Peter like hey like I know that you idolized Tony Stark but you know he was a mess like all of the fucking time and then he you know is pretty much watching Peter make his own suit and he looks like exactly like Tony he like looks exactly Mm -hmm. like Tony in that moment and it's such like a bittersweet moment I feel like for Happy because it's like he's taking care of this kid because he's a good kid and he knows that's what Tony would want but it's like you know, like, he would do anything just to get Tony, like, back, you know? So I love Sorry, it. I'm I love that again. little thing. I know. The, all, the whole Dang. thing is <laughs> That's what I'm really here for. You're just here for sadness and destruction. I know your game. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so that's my little scene. I know it's quite short and not a whole big deal, but I loved it regardless. No, I love the scene because, you know, it is like you said, you know, it's sad because he was Tony. I'm trying not Tony. Because Peter was basically the baby before the baby, before he had his own daughter. And, you know, you knew how much it affected Tony when Parker was gone with the snap and he thought he was never going to come back. And a whole big reason of him even wanting to go back and see if he could reverse it was to get the kid back, you know, and just how upset. Because we even heard Tony when he gets off the ship and he's like, I lost the kid. I lost the kid. And it's like so depressing. So to see him basically like, you know, that whole movie was about, you have to carry on the torch for Tony, you know, you know, Cap is gone, uh, Tony's gone, Black Widow is gone, you know, that's like half of the original Avengers just gone, and, you know, oh, and Thor was gone, you know, he's not on Earth anymore, Captain Marvel isn't on Earth, you know, it is very depressing, because there's like no one left, and so they're handing off this torch, and that was such a good moment. And it's like, it was like the directors knew, hey, we know this scene's probably really touching. You know, we should throw in. I love Led Zeppelin. That'll make it better. That'll make it better. No, I think that's perfect, Tia. I, it, 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 you know, Marvel is the best at 
getting some really sad emotional stuff and then just making it funny as hell. And I, I guess it's like they know that it could be overly sombering. And I think that's like where some DC stuff falls flat with like their recent movies is it's like, yeah, they'll throw some humor in, but it's super campy and super bad. Watch, Jawan is going to come haunt me. He's going to, like, project, like, his body over here and just chew me out for not liking the DC movies. I can already feel it. Oh, well, we have this whole um, Geeks Against the Grain on Friday, and we were going through, like, favorite DC movies, and of course, you know, Juan has to put Batman versus Superman, and I do feel bad because... But I feel bad because I, like, and I told him to because before that I had Suicide Squad, right? And he was, he was obviously, like, hated that movie, but he was being very um, non-biased. He was being very, like, you know, political in his, uh, his, um, whatchamacallit, his criticism. Yeah, his criticism of the movie. And so, and so he did Batman versus Superman afterwards. And so he was like, Thea, you know, I know that, like, he didn't like it. And I go, Juwan, you were, you're being so nice to me for Suicide Squad, but I'm not going to be nice for Batman versus Superman. (laughs) (laughs) And I just freaking, like, tore it all apart. (laughs) By the way, I got so scared. Honest to God, I'm not even joking with you. As soon as I said, watch Joanne come and haunt me, I got one of those Facebook messages straight from Joanne, and I was so scared. I was like, he heard me. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Um, But anyway, let's get back to the the subject at hand. Uh, My number seven is going to obviously be the – I love Led Zeppelin comment from – Spider-Man Far From Home. Brittany, what's your number six? I am going to go with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's my last one for Guardians of the Galaxy. And it is the very, very beginning of when we see Peter Quill as an adult after, you know, the sad stuff with his mom, and they come in with come and get your love. And I have two parts to this. Because I love that he just puts in his music and he's kicking those little alien lizards around. And after we just had the most depressing moment with his mother passing away and him running away and getting, you know, basically like beam me up, Scotty, away. And then you just see him just putting in his music and listening to Come and Get Your Love, which I love that song, by the way, by Redbone. And, um, just it sets such a mood for the entire movie and but what gets me even more is in in game when they go back and you see that scene but it's from the outside perspective of like not having the music with it and what it would have looked like to anybody else because for us in that scene it was so epic you know we hear the music like it's so funny and to watch Nebula watching him just be basically an idiot was so funny. And she's just basically looking at him like, this is the man that my sister loved, that she died for, basically. Just, I don't know. I just, I love that scene. And it was basically a two-parter in that, in that scenario. 
<laughs> I was gonna say as you were talking about that, like of course the actual scene is amazing and it's so fun. It like set up the first movie. It's set up for you to know like what this whole franchise is going to be about. But honestly, like the best part is going back and revisiting it in Endgame because it's like again, he's just sitting sitting there singing off tune and no music in the background. And tell me that that whole scene didn't make you want to have like a so like a separate movie of just Rhodey and Nebula because they were so like fantastic together. Because Rhodey goes, so he's an idiot. Which is what all Nebula said. You know what? I can ship it. I can ship it. <laughs> well, and then I noticed this too. Like the Rhodey and Nebula have clearly been in contact with each other because, you know, to the outside world, he's, you know, uh, you know, Captain Colonel, I forget his thing, but, you know, James Road or something, you know, only like really Tony calls him Rhodey, right? But in Endgame, when um, they're all like coming back together and Scott Lang is sitting there with his taco and Nebula like walks past him. And, like, I forget what Scott said, but it made Nebula literally go on her, like, calm system and go, be careful, Rhodey. There's an idiot here. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, clearly Nebula and Rhodey have been, like, exchanging, like, numbers and shit. <laughs> you know what? Go get that blue love. I, 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 I need it. You know what? I ship it. It's official. <laughs> It's official. So, yeah, I love the come and get your love scene. It's so perfect. It really, as you said, in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, we have that insanely depressing scene. And, by the way, I love, like, I'm just full of, like, hot tea uh, this morning. I love when I hear people go, oh, the Marvel movies are so kid, you know, centered, and none of them are, you know, serious or adults, and I'm like, yo, Peter Quill, like, watched his mother pretty much dying of cancer, like, are you telling me that the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't, like, the most depressing shit ever? Oh, I know. When I watched that scene, it was, like, for me, like, do you remember the movie? I don't know if you ever saw it. I don't know what you're talking about. You went you went in and out. Like I didn't even hear what you were talking about. I said, you know the, the Pixar movie up. Uh yeah, but first of all, really, really, really quick for me. It's a little like staticky on your end. I just want to make sure that like everyone can hear you properly. Is it easier to hear me now? Yeah. So you said up, right? Yeah, the movie up. Uh, you know okay. when um. You know, in the beginning, like, when I very first watched it, and it was so sad, and I legitimately started sobbing at the very beginning of this movie. That's how I felt at the very beginning of the Guardians of the Galaxy, because the rest is fun and happy, but I'm like, you can't literally punch me, like, below the belt, and then go, oh, baby, it's okay, here's some head pats, here's some treats. I'm like, no, I'm still pissed off about the beginning. That's what you do to me? This is how you introduce me into this movie? I will say that I've never seen Up, and I feel oh the same way. Oh, my God. About, I, I feel the same way about Up, 
that I feel about the farewell. I don't know if you saw like the trailers to the farewell or anything. It's almost one of those things where I refuse to see the movies only because I know they're going to be so sad and I'm never going to recover from them. And it's like, why do I want to do that to myself? Like, I, it's like, I, I understand it's a great movie. Like everyone talks about it, you know, and that's amazing. And kudos to the filmmakers, but holy shit. Like, I do not feel like going through that emotional roller coaster. Oh, I know. I was like, because uh, uh, after the show, I'll tell you why it's so sad. I watched my well, dad cry over this movie. Well, that's the thing is I know the whole premise behind Up. I know why it's so sad. And that's why I refuse to see it because I'm like, <laughs> I already know. I, it's the same thing. Like, Do you know what I'm talking about when I say The Farewell? It's this movie that just came out. And it's like, you know, winning some awards, um, but it's all about, like, this grandma who, um, whatchamacallit, it, like, has cancer, but they don't tell her that oh, she has cancer. Oh, I know cancer what you're talking because, about. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, it looks amazing, don't get me wrong, but it looks like I'm literally going to never recover from that movie. So that's it's like you're telling me that she has to deal with like knowing that her grandmother's dying but the grandmother doesn't know I can't <laughs> you know I can't what's bad about that is like they all keep it from her and I'm like I wouldn't having like dealing with that stuff right now in my own life I'm like I couldn't even imagine going you know what I'm just not gonna tell you like what kind of bull crap is that well, I think that's what the, like, the main character goes through, but it's like, obviously, you know, that's not our culture. We don't know about that, but they do, I, from at least the trailer standpoint, they explain, like, how it's different um, in the Chinese culture as opposed to the American culture as to why that's being withheld, you know, and to us, we see that, and it, it seems wrong, and it seems so, like, sad, but obviously that's something that is different because it's, you know, different culturally. So I think that's why, um, but it looks like from the trailers that that's something that the main girl contends with, because even though her family is Chinese, I, at least from the trailers, it looks like she is, you know, from America. So she obviously has grown up with American cultures and in, in American culture, that would be like unheard of, but it's not unheard yeah. of you know, for her family. So, yeah, emotionally manipulative. Like, it reminds me of um, any time I want, like, I've literally seen this on iZombie and Luke Cage, like, whenever they bring up, say, uh, This Is Us, and, like, you have that one character who's like, I'm not going to watch that. It's emotionally manipulative. And, like, that's how I feel about those movies. <laughs> it's emotionally manipulative. <laughs> You know what? I, I can dig that. I, I feel that way about plenty of movies, but I'm like, you didn't have to do that, but you did. <laughs> but you decided to, and I will never forgive you, but yeah. Back to Guardians of the Galaxy. I love Come and Get Your Love. It's just so much fun. Like, I remember when our first movie soundtrack came out, and I think I, like, Google Play had this thing that you could download it for free. So, of course, I downloaded the whole entire soundtrack, and I just loved every single second of it. Oh, I downloaded it, too. We're such alike. We're so alike. Oh. I said such alike. Gosh darn it. 
Oh, my God. But, yeah, I love the the beginning of this. And as you said, it's kind of like a two-parter because not only did you have it in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but you had it in Endgame. And we got to see both sides, which were hilarious. Um, So I love that. I'm going to go with the next one. (laughs) I'm looking at my list. And I I really think that I'm going to just do a bunch of Guardians of the Galaxy moments because I was, and I'll say really quick, I was going to put an Ant-Man moment down, but when I look up, when I look at it against the other picks that I had, I'm like, I have to do the other picks, but I was going to pick, um, you know, the scene in the first Ant-Man where uh, Darren Cross and Ant-Man are fighting and uh, freaking Darren like yellow jacket goes, I'm going to disintegrate you. And it like the Apple thing goes playing disintegration by the cure. It is like they're battling in the suitcase, like above the water as like that song plays. That is hilarious. I do remember that scene. That would have been a good one too, but I know whatever you got is going to be even better. So I'm going to do and actually, it's so funny, both of them are from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Even though I feel like, in general, I liked the first movie's soundtrack better, I just liked the moment in the second one, like, that they combined it with. So, um, I'm going to do, the song is called Come a Little Bit Closer, and it's the scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where remember Yondu and Rocket and Groot are being held captive by the uh, the Ravagers who mutinied him and then finally Yondu with the help of baby Groot eventually gets free and he gets his new fin and he starts like just absolutely obliterating the whole crew with his needle as this song is like playing come a little bit closer and it's like so happy and joyous as he's just walking like a boss as freaking his like needle is just completely killing like every single person and then eventually rocket gets like a gun and they're just like obliterating everyone as this like really just joyous fun song is playing and I just think it's hilarious like the whole entire thing like you just see bodies and bodies just completely falling from like the ship as this song is playing so I don't know if you know what I'm talking about Brittany but I absolutely love this scene no I love it for the same reason I like the beginning of that movie where it's like with the Mr. Blue Sky because you have the scene with, like, utter destruction, but a totally unfitting song that somehow completely fits. And I just, you know, and I think that's, like, the genius of it. And that's why I'm so, is James Gunn coming back for the, the third movie? Yeah. I don't remember. He is, now com- he, he is now coming back. He was fired. He was fired. And then about, like, I don't know, freaking six, seven, eight months later, then they announced that uh, Disney and Marvel Studios had brought him back. It's funny because Juwan and I were talking about this, and he guesses, and, you know, this is just all, like, guessing, but he guesses that that was something, like, that James Gunn knew. Like, I feel like Disney said to him, hey, uh, you know, unfortunately this whole controversy is getting out of hand, 
we're going to have to do this whole thing, make people, like, happy and shit, and then we're going to bring you back in, you know, some months and shit like that. Because, you know, James Gunn never said anything bad about Disney. He never, like, felt any sort of outrage. He never, like, made us think, like, obviously we, like, freaked the fuck out, and so did the cast of Guardians. I don't think they were, like, told anything, especially, like, Dave Batista literally was like, I'm going to leave if they don't use his script. Um, and yes. then they kept, like, saying, like, you know, but Jameson never, like, said anything bad. And even his brother, like, said something really, like, nice, like, you know, an uplifting and shit. So it's, like, almost, I don't know, you kind of, like, think to yourself, like, did they plan this out? Did they pretty much say to James, like, we're going to bring you back, but we just have to make it seem like we're letting you go because of these comments that you made. Because it like to look good. And it's kind of like, I, I guess it's like, I guess this is like a side note to all of this, that it's like we have kind of run into the moment that people are making a job of it to look at people's like, old tweets from years and years and years ago and I get why it's like it's still they said it but it's like if they have a long history past that point of being well behaved why go back and punish them for something that they said so many years ago but I guess that's a part of like canceled culture where we're seeing where it's like people don't a lot of the times people don't actually care they just want to see like the destruction of someone's like livelihood more than they actually care about the joke itself so I guess that's just my two cents on it well I mean the whole thing was that at the time James Gunn was very outspoken against Trump like very outspoken we've noticed now that like James Gunn really hasn't tweeted anything about that because I think he's just trying to like stay low pretty much but um, he was tweeting a lot of things against Trump against like right wing conservatives so it was actually like right-wing conservatives who went back and found these, you know, tweets. And the tweets were from like 12 years ago. And we've talked about this many times during like shock culture where everything was like, you know, let's say the most shocking thing possible. But, um, you know, Disney knew about this. Disney knew about that because five years ago, like literally when the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie was coming out, there was an interview with James where he acknowledged those tweets, you know, acknowledged the things that he said in the past, you know, said that those all comments were made completely offhand uh, and he regrets them and he's grown and obviously he was super immature back then, but he's matured, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, Disney knew about that. It's just that because there was such a spotlight now on it that like I think that Disney felt like they needed to do something pretty much. I know. And I think it's like, and I know these are all side points that I'm sorry to get off topic, but, you know, <laughs> I think it's like not to excuse that behavior, but it's like, it's, it is amazing how even things have changed in the last 20 years, because I remember being younger and stuff like anything Native American was like, oh, like the headdresses, it was very big, of like, like, of like fashion and everything you'd see people on the runways doing like the big feather headdresses and then it's like you realize how how bad that is and how much that actually means to those people's culture but you know and then people were trying to dig up old tweets on this one girl for wearing a headdress and it's like 
yeah, but that was the fashion back then of like that's like it was a whole different time where people weren't quite like realizing or trying to be more sensitive to people's like cultures, you know, and so they're like, we're gonna leave it be on this one, but it's kind of like it's kind of like everybody's hit a fresh start where it's like, okay, everybody should know better now. Well, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day, obviously. I just look back at James Gunn's tweets, and, you know, they even made me cringe, some of them. Yeah. But at the same time, again, like 12 years ago, I remember, like, people made these jokes. Like, and, you know, I hated them. I've told you how much I absolutely hated and despised the dead baby jokes. But those were – Oh, yeah. Like, I, everyone was making them. Everyone, people in my real life were making them, people online were making them, you know, that was the thing. It was the shock factor of them. It was the shock factor of them, and and again, I hated them. Like, I I hated them back then. Anytime someone made, I was like, can you stop? Like, why is that funny to you? Like, what about that sounds funny to you? But that was the thing, and so I think that's where James Gunn's tweet came from. But it was all ridiculous, but to answer your, like, overall question, yes, he's coming back for the third Guardians of the Galaxy. He's going to do it as soon as he's finished with the Suicide Squad because I think in between that, you know, in between that time of him having been fired from Disney and him being brought back to Disney, he obviously struck up a deal with DC to do the Suicide Squad, um, which that, like, caused a whole other thing where people are like, ha-ha, he's coming to DC now, see, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, James Gunn got the best of both worlds. He's going to DC and Marvel. He's like, come and get me. Come and get your love. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, come and get your love. No. Yes, uh, you know, I, I, I show he must be, a, like, we obviously know he's an amazing director, but for them to actually allow him to be both, I know that sounds not that normally, you know, they would want to do like a non compete. But to just see them both be like, okay, I guess we can share the guy. It's kind of like, wow. <laughs> Well, okay then. Some directors, I feel like you just gotta let them do what they want to do because that's just how it works out best for everyone. I feel like it would be the same thing with like Taika Waititi. Like if he said that he wanted to do a DC movie, I feel like Marvel would be like, cool, but you're still gonna do Marvel, right? Like we don't care. You can do both, you know, because we obviously don't want to lose you ever. <laughs> but exactly. I so, yeah, but, um, oh, gosh, what was I doing? Let me get to the, oh, God, I didn't even write this down. I'm like, what am I doing right now? You did come and get your love. I'm doing, I'm doing come a little bit closer. Okay, yeah, I absolutely love this scene. I talked about it with you, you know, obviously enough, but it really, like, I have begun loving Yandu. I really didn't like him at all, really, in the first movie. Not that I say, not that I'm saying that I didn't like him at all. I'm just saying, like, I didn't really like him. Um, and then you come out in the second movie, and suddenly he's just so likable. Like, his personality. Uh, he's Mary Poppins, that, y'all. He's Mary Poppins, y'all. Um, you know, and finding out that he was, um, you know, banned from the Ravengers because he was dealing with kids, you know, and that's against the code. Um, and then him, like, saying that, you know, I, I love the whole thing that he always told Quill 
like, oh, when we first got you, you know, my boys wanted to eat you. They never tasted Tara before, you know. And what he says that he uh, he kept Quill because, you know, he was small and good for getting in small places. But it's like, in reality, he kept Quill because he found out what Ego was doing to all of the kids that he brought to him. And he's like, I can't do this to, like, another kid, you know. Um, I love that. I love Yondu becoming like a dad to Quill. And again, he was so was a dad to Quill. I will defend Quill's reaction in Infinity War. All right, (laughs) he's had to see his mother die. He's had to see his father die. He had to watch his adopted dad die right before his eyes, and the love of his life is dead. Like I'm sorry. All right, who who, like who else? Who else? Besides Thor, like who else was dealing with that crap? But sorry, what else did he lose? Let's hear. <laughs> Captain shit. <laughs> yeah, I think he lost it to Thor. And he's like, like, oh my god, I think Thor's choking. And Thor's like, yeah, yeah, choking. <laughs> I that's still one of my favorite scenes at the end of Endgame, where it's like we obviously know who the captain of the ship is, and and Quill's like, it's me, and Thor's like, oh yes, yes. You, of course, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. But let's move on. Um, Brittany, what is your number four? We're chucking right along today. I thought you said instead of number four, I thought you said number four. And I was like, okay, I got more of on the brain now. <laughs> um, I'm slightly torn because one is very epic. Okay, I'm going to go with this one first because I love it so much. Um, Captain America, Steve Rogers, and his last dance with Peggy at the very end of Endgame. And because that scene is so powerful because it's all he wanted. That was all he wanted in the end was to be with his Peggy. And, you know, we, you know, he always talked about how he was gonna have that. He was gonna have that dance with her, and she was like saying how she was afraid to step on his toes, and he's like, well, "It's okay, we'll dance slow." And so to see it, like after everything, w- it was that was reversed, by the way. What it was saying? Steve. That was it. Was Steve who was uh, afraid of stepping on Peggy's toes? Oh, the reason I thought, because I was rewatching the scene, and I thought that was what, like, it was without the words, it was with the subtitles, <laughs> and so I was no, like, wait ahead, a second, but it's like they're dancing slow, and I actually looked up, the reason that song is so powerful is, I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm just, like, trying to go off of what I read, was that that song they're <laughs> dancing to was one that hap- that only became really popular after the war had ended because it was a song about homecoming, like coming back from World War Two and talking about like getting to finally be together. And that's why it's the song that Steve wouldn't have really known because, you know, he like, you know, got stuck in the ice before that time. But it's so powerful because it's like, yeah, you have end of World War Two, you have the end of Endgame, you have him finally getting that dance with Peggy, and it was like such like a perfect closure to 
the Marvel as we knew it. And I was just like, well, now I'm broken. Thank you. Thank you. That was so beautiful, like, that whole entire scene. And it, it has been, you know, a long time coming since the first Captain America. And I saw, like, people who were kind of saying, you know, oh, this, like, this is, uh, you know, this, whatchamacallit, it, like, erases uh, the progression of Steve, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it was always about going back to Peggy. Like, yeah, we had, like, what, a slight moment in Winter Soldier where, you know, he was talking to Natasha about dating and, you know, in Civil War he kissed Sharon. But it was always about Peggy, right? Like, as you said, the first Captain America, what does he say to to Nick Fury, it's like he literally sees this different world. He's literally catapulted into the future. And rather than just being, like, completely shocked about everything that he sees, he literally goes, I had a dance. And it's all about uh-huh. that, you know, like Age of Ultron, his uh, whole hallucination with Peggy. Like, And then we see him in Endgame literally still holding onto the picture of Peggy. I'm like, how did you not see that coming, that he wants to be with Peggy? And it, it was, like, such this, like, beautiful moment because, you know, like, and that's what I always credit Endgame for. It was a superhero movie, but at the same time, like, so not a superhero movie because it had such a non-superhero movie ending because it just literally had Steve and Peggy just slowly dancing. And I love the look on her face because she has this look like she's just shocked to, like, you know, see him back. You know, this is someone that she never thought that she would see again. And he's just in utter, like, he's just utterly content, you know? That's they're like start crying again. It's so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Like, the whole thing, like, just to see that was the perfect ending to that saga and to Steve and, oh, God, I hated people who were like, oh, you know, Bucky must feel so sad that, you know, Steve chose to go back in time and be with Peggy. I'm like, yo, they were best friends. He knew how much Steve loved Peggy. Like, you think that he's going to be sad? Like, stop thinking that Bucky Bucky is, like, getting the short end of the stick. Bucky literally does not care that Sam got, you know, to be Captain America. He's probably happy. And he's more than happy. He's happy and not it, to be with the, the Russians anymore. Well, I was going to say he's happy that his friend Steve, who he's seen be the scrawny-ass guy his whole life, who's never been able to get a girl, you know, finally able to be, like, with the one woman who's, like, the love of his life. And I'm like, people need to stop, right? Just because you, just because you ship Bucky and Cap does not mean it was going to happen, okay? <laughs> But I like how I like how you said everything we, uh, that I was thinking. I need it needs to be said. It's annoying that like the the Cap and Bucky like shippers they can get annoying because it's like it was never gonna happen. Like you could ship it, I don't care. Like I'll I'll read that fan fiction, but like she was always going to go back to Peggy. Like, that shit was beautiful. That was, shit was beautiful. The one thing, though, like, and as you said, like, that song was beautiful. It, You know, I love, like, the 1950s type stuff, you know, just absolutely gorgeous. But someone did point out that it's funny. 
<laughs> imagine like they're talking and they're getting to like you know know each other again and like Steve's telling her everything that happened and it's like oh yeah in the future um I end up kissing your niece so sorry <laughs> oh no I mean does that mean in the long run that that's gonna almost be well I guess they technically still wouldn't be related but it's still weird it's still weird. I mean, you know, whatever. Whatever. Like, who cares? I, I did kind of want them to be together at some point, but, like, not the way that they did it in Civil War. I was like, okay, it just seems like you just literally threw that in there. Uh, you know me. If Cap was never going to go back to Peggy, I was a Roman Rodgers shipper. And it seemed very likely that that was going to happen, okay? Like, him and Natasha, like, that could have happened. And they kissed. And they kissed. Like, they kissed, too. Steve's like, um, I kissed a lot of girls back in the future. But you're the only woman for me now, Peggy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Poor Steve. Poor Steve. I do love that. I know, not to get off topic, but I love in Winter Soldier after Natasha kisses him and they're in the car and she's like, was that your first kiss in the, in 70 years? And he's like, that bad, huh? (laughs) I forgot about that scene. (laughs) Yeah, because she kisses him because remember Rumlow was after them and she's like, she goes, public displays of affection make people uncomfortable. And he's like, yes, they do. And she, like, kisses him so that, like, Rumlow looks away, which, um, yes, Brittany, public displays of affection make people uncomfortable. Oh, it's even in a movie. don't. Get off your soapbox. <laughs> I'm full hey, of uh, tea. You don't hurt yourself when you fall off that high horse. <laughs> I'm full of hot tea today. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Somebody like get like control your girl. I'm calling your mama. <laughs> she's listening to this podcast right now, and she's wondering why you being like this, Brittany. No, I'm joking. Um, no, but, I was like, I haven't done anything. I do love this scene. I just because it was a long time coming. It was like a payoff that felt really good you know, to finally have Steve back with Peggy, and it was just a beautiful little, like, moment, you know, just for it to just kind of be this quiet dancing, and that's how they ended it. I thought it was a beautiful way to end the movie. I absolutely loved it, and I think that's what Cap, and I, this is going to sound, like, messed up, but I feel like Cap and Tony both had their, like, rightful endings, and I know that sucks because people are like, well, Tony died, but I have gone back and I've watched, like, the first Iron Man, I've watched the second Iron Man, I've watched the first Avengers, and what's the one thing that everyone always says about Tony? He was selfish, he'll never do anything for someone else, he'll always act in his self-interest. And the fact that he literally sacrificed himself for everyone, I'm like, that is the greatest ending for Tony, because he's completely doing redemption. It was his ultimate redemption. So it's like, you know, he got to leave the world in good hands. He knows that, you know, Pepper will be there for for his family. And, you know, I, I'm just saying, like, believe me, like, it's, 
I was sad. Like, I'm not sitting there saying I wasn't sad that Tony freaking died. Like, I was not expecting that. When he snapped his fingers, I was like, oh, okay, his arm's just going to be fucked up. But it's like, oh, wait, he's not the Hulk. Like, he's just a normal person taking the runt of all that shit. Like, oh, fuck. You know, but... You're like, I, uh, this kills the Tony. <laughs> literally. <laughs> but, yeah. Brittany. Oh, no. Um, amazing, amazing uh, pick for the number four. I'm going to hit the number three. And again, I feel bad because it's like, it's another Guardians of the Galaxy. But I can't. Just do it, girl. I can't help myself. I, I Because I, part of the reason why I went back and watched Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is because I was literally thinking about this scene so badly in this song that I was like, I have to go back and watch it just for this. So it's the final battle scene against Ego. And it's the moment where uh, it looks like Ego's going to win, right? He freaking has, like, all the Guardians, like, completely, you know, under his, you know, power. And he's, you know, are, you know, yelling at Peter. And Peter's just sitting there remembering, you know, his upbringing, remembering time with his family. And he, like, finally has the strength to go against ego and that song uh if you don't love me now then you'll never love me again oh it's such a good song the chain yes 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 like that song i just thought was so fucking powerful in that moment like them suddenly just all like breaking free like because i remember you know uh even Drax holding Mantis, you know, and he's getting, like, buried alive, and then that, like, kind of dissipating as, you know, the song's playing and shit. Oh, I love that scene so much. It's just so good to me, that song. And I don't know if you remember, but that song also played earlier in the movie when um, freaking, you know, things are not kind of good between Quill and Rocket and Quill, Gamora, and Drax go to, you know, Ego's home while Rocket and Nebula and Groot stay back to the ship. And it's like, it's very telling that that uh, song played, you know, If You Don't Love Me Now, while, you know, Quill and Rocket are not doing well. And then for the song to play again, while Peter is fighting against his father, and essentially the Guardians are coming back together, because they're the real family that Quill had. Um. So I, love that. I didn't I come love here that. for feels, Tia. It's the whole, that's the thing. Like, people need to start looking deeper at the freaking Marvel movies because they sit there and they say, oh, it's just a kid's thing. There's nothing adult about it. I'm like, there's so much about that. Like, in the scene where freaking, you know, Drax, like, says that they're family, it's like, they're family, man. Like, that's, I don't know. Like, that whole, that whole movie is so good. The second one, like, I know that it's not as good as the first one, but I still love it. Like looking back on it, um, there's so many amazing moments. But I could go into that for days. But Brittany, what do you think about this scene and the song going along with it? I was gonna say first off, we can't trust anything that Drag says because he also talks about how shirts chafe his nipples. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, remember the one scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I'm just saying, remember the one scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where, like, Rocket essentially leaves 
quill behind, not on purpose, but he's kind of like, you know, I got to save everyone else, even, you know, if that means, like, leaving quill behind just because I can't take the idea of losing another friend. And as he is, like, you know, like, the ship is taking off, Drax is shouting, like, where's quill? Where's quill? And it's, like, for someone who, like, you know, honestly, freaking Drax drags quill on a daily basis. But, like, that's still, in the end, like, his family. Right, and you know Drex can't stand the thought of losing any more family, too. You know, in this way, they all kind of lost someone, because I think Drex lost his mom and dad. I mean, not but he lost his wife and child. Gamora lost her, like, family. You know, well, we only saw her to have her mother. Uh, Thanos, you know, basically took her. Um, We have Quill, who, you know... You know, we know his whole story with his family. Then we have Rocket, who, yeah, great, fine. But he also lost Groot. He also talks about, like, how he was just an experiment. So, you know, he didn't have anybody. And you're like, oh, they're the perfect dysfunctional family. That just reminds me of, I'm sorry to, like, hijack this, but I can, like, I can dissect this movie so much. It reminds me of, because in the second movie, you know, Rocket's, like, really acting out, and you realize that he's acting out because it's, like, you know, he actually has people who care about him. And I love the scene where Yondu, like, yells at him. He's like, I know you try and act like you're the toughest mother effer around here. He's like, but in reality, you're scared. He's like, because you finally found people who care about you, and the more that they love you, the more you want to push them away. He's like, I know because you're me, boy. (laughs) Because you're me, boy. Oh, my gosh. You make me love Yondu. You know what? You know how uh, we talk about things after things? I I, I want Yondu. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, Brittany, I wanted to get your your thoughts on this scene uh, specifically. No, I do love it because uh, I don't know what it is about it. First off, I love that song. I never like realized that it was Fleetwood Mac that sung that song, but and I, I had heard it when I was younger. But to hear it in such a dramatic moment, when it's mm-hmm. you know for all the silliness that normally comes from the songs, but it's like the chain is such like a powerful song, and so to get it in that moment where you're like, okay, this feels serious. This feels like an Iron Man moment. This feels like a Captain America moment. This feels very real for all the joking and everything it's like i don't know i loved it i loved it like i like that the guardians of the galaxy serious moments come as rarely as a silly moment in all the other movies which you know they're not super rare but you get me well no and i like that i like that too about the guardian movies because they'll for the most part, be very fun or joking around, and they have that dynamic between the whole group, and then they have that, but then to me, it, like, pays off, because then you have the absolute, like, epic moment where everything is on the line, and everything is serious and, you know, at stake, so that's why I truly love it, Um, and I just love these movies, like, it makes me want to go back and watch uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy 2 again. And by the way, Brittany, um, for another food for thought for Yandu, because I like Yandu has became my favorite character in the second one. Um, 
him sacrificing himself for Peter Quill, and then at the end, him having the funeral and all of the Ravengers showing up to his funeral, even though they had, you know, originally banned him and kicked him out of their group because of what he did. Him seeing that, you know, us seeing at the end that they truly were there for him. So, yeah, I'm on my pedestal there. Well, now I'm depressed again. Thanks a lot. I was trying not to also, I was being quiet because I got like mega hiccups in the me- in the middle of you saying that. And I was like, must not hiccup through Tia's sad story remembrance of Yondu. No, I loved it too because, you know, what kills me with that is it's like he basically trafficked children at that point, but he didn't realize what he was doing. But just see such a fall for from grace while they were like basically like the Ravengers are supposed to be a family and it's like how much you realize that they you know, how he lost his family and it's like, Okay, is this Guardians of the Family or is this uh Families of the Galaxy? Like what's going on here? Yeah, I mean it all like played into that common theme of like losing family, you know. Um you know, I, I love that, like, when he shouts to, and I love the fact that Sylvester Stallone was in it, and he shouts to Sylvester, he's like, I wear, he's like, I wear these colors just like you, and he's just like, well, you shouldn't, he was like, you think it was easy exiling you? It wasn't, he's like, but I had to, and it's like, oh, I love that, I loved all that shit, like, how, like, seeing just, like, that there was a code for the Ravagers, and that they all, like, really, like, felt for each other, except for, you know, Yondu's, like, crew who mutinied him. Scarface! Or, no, what was it? Phaserface! 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 What kind of name is that? Oh, my God. Before we move on, because I know I'm all over the place, I'm just thinking about all the moments that I love. The best... Oh, I should have, like, said back when I talked about the other one, come a little bit closer, but I'm revisiting it really quick. Remember in that scene... When you know Yandu's like you know obliterating everyone, and uh, Taserface goes to send out that message to the Golden People to let them know like where they can find you know like Yandu and the people who stole their batteries, and he's like, I only ask that when you know you tell Yandu or something who sealed his fate, you tell him my name, Taserface, and the Golden Woman just fucking cracks up dying, and it's like that's the last thing you see before you die is someone laughing in your face, like. It was and they're so stoic, and they're so stoic, and such a female race, and then just to see them crack up, I was like, okay, that's pretty freaking funny. I know. I love the golden people. Um, anyway, sorry, I don't mean to ramble on for forever, um, but let's go to the second to last on our list. Um, you know, Brittany, what, what do you got for us? Okay, this moment isn't lyric song. You know, it's not a, it's more orchestral, orchestrated. But the same, whenever everybody comes back from the snap and, like, you see him facing off as just Captain America against Thanos and his entire army and basically, like, the music goes out. And you're like, which is so, like, and what's so eerie about that moment is that you don't really take in how much music is happening 
for all these scenes until it just cuts out and you're like, oh, this is, this is bad. But just to hear, like, when he's, like, on your left and then the music oh. starts to pick up as all the portals are opening. Like, I don't know why the music gave me chills, like, because it was such, like, the climax. And I, it's like, if I remember correctly, it's the original, like, Avengers song, isn't it? Like, just, like, Mm -hmm. twisted up a little bit different. And it was, like, such, like, a nod to everything it had become and that you knew, like, oh. Because I remember with that scene, I was like, there's no way, there's no way that uh, Steve's going to be able to do this. And I literally said it, I was like... I was like, if they come out with some bull crap where he takes them on single-handedly, I'm going to be done with this entire movie. But just seeing all the portals open and the music pick up, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is going to be epic. Like, it really set the tone for the end of this movie. I continuously say that I wish I had – this is going to sound bad, but it's like I wish I could see that for the first time again. Like, I wish oh, I could yeah. go back before I saw Endgame to relive how amazing that moment was. Like, because you're sitting there, right? And, like, the whole movie's gone. And you're sitting there and you're like, when are the others going to come back? It's like, are we literally... And I remember talking to Kanan a little before this and it was like, what if they don't come back? What if this is, like, Marvel's way of, like, completely just, like, you know, rewriting the MCU to make room for, like, other people, you know? And it's like, wow, that would really suck, you know? You're sitting there like, what if this is just the world now, right? Yeah. And, and as you said, Steve is, like, you know, staring down Thanos' army. It reminds me of the scene from Game of Thrones with Jon Snow, where it's like, you know, he just takes out the sword, and it's like, you're not going to be able to take all those mother efforts on by yourself. But, you know, we could go on and on about how, like what that says about Steve Rogers as a character in general. But that's the, oh my God, how quiet it is. And you hear like the, you know, from like his yeah, intercom. Yeah. And you're like, and I remember I was like, was that Sam? And him saying on your left and the freaking portals. And if you remember, Brittany, at first that music really didn't come in. It was just uh, T'Challa walking out with Shuri and uh, Okoje. You know, and at first it's like all quiet, and then like all of a sudden just it's building up and building up and building up, and then freaking when Ant Man like busts out from you know the 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 wreckage with you know he had Rhodey and a rocket in his hands, and he just like realized you know that like everything's coming so together in this moment, like uh the people of Wakanda are chanting like, and that was. That was oh, so well chants, done. Like, like, give me chills. Oh, their chant was like so well placed there, like just so amazing. And then you see, oh, I love all that. All right, I love everything. Like seeing Valkyrie come in. Like I'll never stop talking about Valkyrie coming in on our freaking Pegasus because we didn't see that in Thor Ragnarok. So it's like that's just amazing. And you see all of the freaking um, uh, the sorcerers with Wong. You know? Oh, that yeah. That amazing. <laughs> you know what I think also gets me about that scene? What? Is for Steve, his entire life has been him being the little guy against the big guys. You know, mm-hmm. from the uh, 
from Captain America, the very first, like the first Avenger, you know, when he was small and he he still gets back up after getting beaten up. Uh, I can do this all day. And it's like, and how much he hates himself for saying that. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I know, I know. But to see, it was very, like, memorable of, like, him realizing it's like it's not always him just standing alone he does he's not doing it alone but it was like it was just awesome that even in the face of like okay this is like immeasurable odds he's still he's still doing it Tia he's still doing it well that's what was so amazing like seeing him he knows he can't go up against these guys alone but he's going to go down swinging. He straps on his freaking broken-ass board. He's exhausted. He's going to still go for it. And then it's like, no, you're not alone. You have... And it's like, that's what the rest of the Avengers needed. Because you saw in that moment, like, Thor smiling, you know, Iron Man looking, like, hopeful. It's like, yeah, that's what they needed in that moment. It was finally for everyone, like, the whole. And, of course, the biggest payoff of all big payoffs him yes. saying Avengers assemble. Oh god, that shit was so oh. good. Like and then just fucking go oh my god. And then just fucking running towards Thanos' army. Oh, that shit was so good. That was like even, you know that, even, um, that even Thanos was unnerved by it. Thanos was like, Holy shit. Cause you know what? You know what the Avengers had? They had a team. They had a family. All Thanos had was a fucking army. Like they don't, they didn't like each other. They weren't there, you know, fighting for each other. They were just there, following orders and shit. Like I don't know. I love that shit. Oh, that that scene, Brittany. That was so good. The whole thing about it, them like all going for each other, fighting in their typical fights and shit. Like um, I don't know why I just thought about. You know, it was one of the funniest moments though. Like I know it was an intense like scene, but no, I was no, scared. I absolutely love when they're like, oh, you know, the quantum thing was destroyed. And they're like, not quite. And they, and like Ant-Man clicks up, like for his van. And, and Steve literally goes, does anyone see a shitty brown van anymore? I mean, like, when, like, Thor and Cass, like, had their little moment again, like, you know, how in Infinity War they had that little moment where it's like, oh, I like what you do with your hair. Oh, I see you grew a beard. And then in Endgame where he's like, give me that one. You take the small one. You think a little, like, you still have, and then, like, Peter Parker being himself, like, I love when he landed on Valkyrie's, like, horse. He's like, hi, Peter Parker. Like, still to this day. all the movies again. Thanks a lot, Tia. Do you realize how long that will take? It would have to be like a few days, right? Like if you sat there and like watched all of them like consecutively in one sitting, you know, like not including bathroom I feel like that would be at least like three days or something like that. Maybe even longer. Like, I don't know. Go look it up. Because that would be crazy. I mean, Endgame alone was like three hours. <laughs> it, it, it says to count all the ones that ended with Endgame, because, you know, we're just counting that, 
It would be approximately 3,015 minutes, so let me divide that by 60. It is 50 hours and 25 minutes, give or take. No, it's 15 minutes, because if you're converting it to 60, yeah. So what is that, like, a little more than two days? Like, if you, like, sat up straight for, like, days straight and didn't, like, sleep at all? You know, yeah, and maybe took it it's in two hours over 48, yeah, for 48 hours, so it's like two days and a couple of hours. Oh, God. Do you know, do you know they did that, like, before Endgame? They had, like, Marvel had a contest for people that whoever, like, could enter, they could, like, last the whole entire, like, sitting of all of them that they would like win shit and I saw like people doing it like and they're taking pictures like they obviously took breaks to like eat and like go to the bathroom and stuff but like they freaking like were there like just sitting in a theater provided by Marvel Studios watching this shit huh I would have done it in heartbeat I I um did definitely try to enter, but didn't get chosen. It's okay. Oh, Tia. You know, <laughs> She's like, but, I'm uh, totally not salty. She said saltily. Saltily, yes. Yes, exactly. But, um, yeah, Brittany, this is an amazing, amazing pick because the music certainly stepped it up because we go from, you know, that quiet, um, almost unsure to just, like, building up to this, like, hopeful victory, you know? And as I said, I think what really pops out in that, like, you know, musically is completely um, the Wakandan uh, uh, chant. To me, it makes it. Like, that was just so perfectly done uh, to have that. That was really good. It was really good just to see all of them. And you know my man M'Baku was like at the front lines which made me really freaking happy. <laughs> I, I told you I told you about the guy that plays M'Baku. Uh, he, I was watching like an interview like it was like a BuzzFeed thing with him where he was like I had a lady he goes go M'Baku more like mm, thick. And, like it was like it was like mm, uh, like th- it was something about thick. Like <laughs> And I can't remember how she said it. No, it was like, uh, gosh, I wish I remembered. It was like more like mm, thick Goku or something. I can't remember how she said it. I got to look up. Oh, no. No, she said Mbaku is sick or something. I don't know. It was something about being sick, and he said he embarrassed him so bad, but in the best of ways. I think it's so hilarious. Like, he was definitely, like, the standout for me in Black Panther. And I think it was like that for a lot of people, which is why they, I believe, kind of gave him, like, a a spotlight in Infinity War and in Endgame. Uh, And I really hope that we see him return for Black Panther 2 because I love M'Baku. Like, he's just so, like, as you said, he's sick. He's sick. But anyway... Let's uh let's move on with that one, Brittany. We are down to the last uh choice in our top ten music moments in the MCU. I'm gonna just go down the list really quick. Uh, we had the uh, beginning song from Guardians of the Galaxy two. Uh, we have Dance Love Bro, Just a Girl, 
I love Led Zeppelin from Far From Home. Uh, Come and Get Your Love, a two-parter from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and also Endgame. Uh, Come a little bit closer from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Cap, <clears throat> my friggin' throat. Steve Rogers, Dance with Peggy at the end of Endgame. If You Don't Love Me Now from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the snap theme song, well, people coming back from the snap theme song in Endgame. And, of course, the number one, the one that inspired this uh, list to begin with and the one that uh, Brittany graciously let me have instead of putting it on her own list. And it is Immigrant Song uh, from Thor Ragnarok. Brittany. It's so good. It is the amazing setup. It's so freaking like just the, oh, like, all right, so let's set it up a little, right, Brittany? So you got Hella's army going up against, uh, you know, the Revengers, as they were called. And even though they got more firepower from Logie coming in, they're still just not able to really go against these guys at first. And Hella is beating the shit out of Thor, and she has that whole thing where she was like, she was like, I'm the goddess of death. What were you the god of again? And then you hear that just like the opening like drum, like, you know, and lightning going. And it's like all of a sudden just Thor, like getting all of that power in him. And just all of a sudden him descending onto Hela's army as they're almost like climbing up against each other. You just hear, ah! <laughs> and just the no, whole. No, I love it. I love oh. it. And what was especially good is, like, in the beginning of that, Loki was smirking. Like, he knew. He was like, brother has finally, like, you know, completely uh, discovered his powers. And just, like, then from there, seeing Thor just annihilate everyone with no no sword, no hammer, just himself, you know, summoning the power from his fists uh, from the sky. And, you know, Loki and Heimdall and Freaking in that moment, Valkyrie just like walking from the ship as like fireworks are going, just looking like the absolute queen that she is. And then freaking the Hulk going up against that big ass dog. Oh, I love this scene. I love this scene so much. It's so perfect. But Brittany, because it was on your list as well, I want to hear your thoughts on uh, this moment. I was going to say a quick thing with that. That's why people had such an issue that Thor. Want, really wanted his hammer again so bad in Endgame because it was such a big part was him learning, like, you don't need the hammer. You know, you don't need it. But I think it's, like, partially, I think, almost a safety blanket from having to, um, you know, losing everyone uh, and dealing with everything. But that song is so epic. And what's funny is, between you and I, I had never really heard that song. I have always heard like, oh. like the 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 uh, the ah part, but I had never heard it in its entirety. So when I heard it, I was like, "Oh man, this is giving me chills. What is this? What is this?" Well, it was good. First of all, first of all, I think that the reason why Thor needed his weapon so badly is because you know, in any battle. Yes, like, he's a god and he can 
get the power from that. But, you know, it's a battle. You do need a weapon, right, especially when those around you have weapons. So I think that more so was it. Um, but freaking, what was I going to say? Yeah, that song, like, gave me complete chills. And I feel like at this point, right, if you remember, the first Thor was not good. Thor Dark World was especially not good. So when they came out with the the trailer for Thor Ragnarok, what really sold me was that they had that song in it. And I was like, whoa, are they using a Led Zeppelin song for this shit? I was like, that really, like, intrigued me, right, as to thinking to yourself, oh, this movie's going to be different than what we saw I previously. Like oh, my God. <laughs> it okay, Peter Parker. It, it comes full circle. <laughs> but, um, I, you know what I love, too, and it's the same thing what they did in Guardians of the Galaxy, too, is that actually, you know, Immigrant Song was played in the beginning of Thor Ragnarok. Remember when he's um, being captured by Surtur? And he's just like, he's summoning his hammer. He's like, that's what heroes do. And then it's like, you know, come to the dance, the dance, like, you know, and he's like battling, he's battling against searchers, like people with that song playing. So it was just such a good callback for us to come at the end of the movie when he finally discovers, like, who the hell he is. Like, I, that that's, like, still such a perfect setup, that whole entire thing, just to watch, like, because it builds up so well, like, with the lightning and, like, you know, Hella, like, what were you the god of again? And it's, like, the god of thunder, bitch. <laughs> like, that's all I thought of. It's it's like, sucks. What'd you say? I think we can all agree his sister sucks. <laughs> I love that scene when he's telling Hella that he's, like, because, you know, we see, like, Thor doesn't want to rule at this He's like, I would love to give this to you, but you're the worst. He's like, you're just the worst. <laughs> right, right. It's like either that or Loki, so. Well, which is why I think he gave Asgard to Valkyrie at the end of Endgame, because he did not want to rule. He knew that he wouldn't be able to rule, and that Valkyrie would be a good queen. So I love that. But, yeah, I love this whole immigrant song scene, uh, him just fighting against the freaking Hela's army, flinging them everywhere. We see Loki getting into action. You know, Loki's never been much of, like, a physical person, right? So to see him, yeah. like, you know, battle, see him battling with school and see Valkyrie just, like, being such the badass, you know, woman that she is and Hulk going up against, like, like honestly – the Revengers were, like, one of my favorite teams. Like, I love seeing Thor, Loki, Valkyrie, and Hulk together. They were, like, a great team. I was, like, and I feel like Bruce Banner could have, like, happily lived with them, like, never going back to Earth. All right. I, I felt like they should have just, why can't we just have a happy ending? Let, let Hulk go back to space. He loved it. <laughs> he loves space. Like, well, who knows what's going to happen to Hulk now? Now he's Professor Hulk and he got one arm, so who knows what's going to happen with Hulk now? But yeah. Um, I just, oh, I, like, really like that. I forgot all about that. He didn't ever go back, and that was a whole part of it. Is he just that way forever now? I mean, he talks about how much he loves it, so I guess I can't really fault him 
Yeah, no, I think that that's the thing is that he's chosen to remain as Professor Hulk because it's the combination of Bruce Banner and Hulk. He said, instead of fighting him for all these years, I've realized that it's best to just merge us together. So it's like, okay, you see you. (laughs) You big green man. You big green man. I mean, I will miss the... Miss Hulk just a little, especially in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> right, <laughs> I right. I was like, I was like, is this character development for Hulk? He's like full on, like talking to Thor, like no Banna Hulk. <laughs> right, right. Oh man, uh, yeah, that was a good I one. Love, I love, by the way, in Thor Ragnarok when. Every, like the battle is getting going at the end, and Valkyrie's like, I don't know what else to do about this dog. He ain't dying. And Banner's sitting there because the whole thing was that Banner didn't want to go back to Hulk because he was like, If I do this, I'll never probably be able to go back. Um, and he's like, You know what? He's like, I got this. He was like, Everything's going to be okay now. You want to know who I am? Well, I'll show you. But him jumping and at first just hitting the rainbow bridge and you're like oh that was anti-climatic oh god I know I was like he's dead I was like he's totally dead he's totally dead and then he just transforms into the Hulk um to battle against the dog and you see Valkyrie looking like holy shit that's who you are because remember they kept saying to each other like you look familiar you seem familiar how do I know you and it's like oh because I like how I played it off without telling her can we all agree that Hulk probably had like a massive crush on Valkyrie? I feel like he did. He kept calling oh, her yeah, angry girl. Yeah, like he he definitely had a crush. And then Bruce like just being well, completely. Well, now, now Black Widow's dead, so I mean, I guess that can happen. <laughs> no. Oh, did because... I say that out loud? Shit. Well, first of all, no, no, no. Um, Black Widow and Bruce Banner should have never happened in a million years. Like. Um, that actually didn't happen. It did not happen. It never happened. And Natasha, oh, that's some denial to you. That's unhealthy. Natasha's still alive, and she's with Steve Rogers. But anyway, um, in the in the next Thor movie, Thor: Love and Thunder, I heard that, and these are just kind of rumors. But I feel like Tessa Thompson may have confirmed them. But I heard that in it. Uh, Valkyrie is going to be looking for her queen. Her queen? Oh boy! Oh, I forgot that was the whole big thing is that she she wasn't straight. I forgot about that. Well, she like they confirmed that Valkyrie is bisexual, and apparently there was a there was a scene in Thor Ragnarok that got cut that would have explained that. You know, because so we see in Thor Ragnarok that clearly, like, Valkyrie and Thor kind of have, like, an admiration for each other. But then it was kind of, like, um, said that the woman who died, you know, in that battle against Hela. Yeah, yeah. Like, he had, was, uh, was Valkyrie's, like, girlfriend. See, that's why I thought, and what's funny is I didn't catch it at first. I was like, man, I was like, that's a really great friend. And then I went, oh, wait, wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. But, but wait, she's more. <laughs> wait, she's more. Exactly. That's good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, yeah. 
apparently, like, you know, she'll be looking for her queen in Thor Ragnarok. Let's see how that goes, because if there is one thing that Marvel has a problem with, it is showing characters who are LGBTQ. Um, that whole, oh, in Endgame, we're featuring the first gay character, and it was like a two-second cameo. It's like, did you guys really, like, don't pat yourself right, on the right. back <laughs> Don't pat yourselves on the back for that one. But, um, Brittany, while we have some extra time, were there any um, honorable mentions that you kind of want to throw out there? Because, you know, looking back on it, there was a lot of music moments in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I feel like we could just say Guardians of the Galaxy and, like, wrap up the rest of them. Right, right. But I can't really think of anything offhand because I literally put every one of them that I liked so much. Well, I'll There could be really that the end credit scene of, like, uh, isn't it like when he goes, I am, and he goes, Iron Man at the at the end of the first one and it goes dun 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 and doesn't the credits roll in with that song? I always thought that was such a good one. Well yeah, so I was gonna say that obviously the Iron Man's always kind of paid homage to awesome rock music and the fact that you had a movie called Iron Man, it's like you had to put Black Sabbath's Iron Man in there. And I did think that was a great way to do the end credits. So like we could talk about like, you know, really quick that you know, um, Tony Stark always had, like, ACDC playing or Led Zeppelin or uh, Black Sabbath playing, so that was, like, awesome. I also thought about, um, I realized, because I went back and watched the second Iron Man, um, I don't know if you remember that movie very much, but there's a scene where Tony's getting really drunk, and he's in the Iron Man suit, and Rhodey, it's the first time he, like, gets one of the suits himself to, like, pretty much stop, like, Tony. And Tony goes uh, to the DJ. He's like, put on a funky beat for me to kick my friend's ass with. And it's literally um, another one bites the dust. And it's like, Oh, I forgot about that one. I forgot that they fought each other like that. Yeah, because the whole thing, that's how Rhodey even, like, had his suit in the first place is that Tony, because this is at the time where Tony was, like, dying pretty much from, like, the arc reactor in his chest. Um, but he wasn't telling anyone, so he was just kind of, like, acting out, and he was doing yeah. his, like, birthday party where he was in a suit, and he was, like, being really dangerous, and so Rhodey just got a suit of his own, and he was like, you need to stop, Tony, and Tony's like, I, I guess we're going to battle right now. <laughs> Tony is such, like, a hooligan. He was a hooligan. That's why I loved in Spider-Man Far From Home, when Happy told him, like, like, when Happy told Peter, like, Tony was a mess. Like, Tony was a mess. Tony, like, slept with anything that walked. He drank. He partied. He did a lot of dangerous shit to put his life in danger. So it's like, he was not always, like, on his shit, you know? But, um... You know what's good about I was, that scene? Is that I almost feel like it was implying about, like, possible drug use. And we know Robert Downey Jr.'s history with drugs and, like, coming back from that. So it's like, I, in ways, I feel like Iron Man really did save his life, and it was kind of like with a legacy in its own, because I couldn't imagine anybody else playing Iron Man. Well, it was said that, like, the first Iron Man was, like, essentially Robert Downey Jr.'s, like, um, you know, like, renaissance back to the world of film and shit, because as you said, yeah, he was 
really bad into drugs. And, like, I read a thing because I don't know if you know this, but Robert Downey Jr. was in a relationship with um, Sarah Jessica Parker for, like, nine years they were together. And he said, like, flat out in an interview that, like, both of them will acknowledge that the reason why their, their relationship, you know, ended was because of his excessive drug use. So it's like he knows that like that's how he was like and I as you said that was like an acknowledgement that you like stuff like that doesn't have to define you and you can get past that and you can get better pretty much. Well now I'm depressed. Thanks Tia. I wanted to say really quick, um, uh, honorable mention, but it's not necessarily in the MCU, but considering that he's the only person who has been acknowledged that he's going to, you know, come aboard from the Fox into the MCU. I wanted to put Deadpool, the first one, when him and, and again, I know this is not necessarily MCU, but Deadpool is going to be brought into the MCU. So yeah. I just wanted to say it as an honorable mention. Um, when they're about to do their final battle with Francis, and and they are walking to DMX's like song and Ben Deadpool's like cue the music <laughs> and they just go like gangsters and shit. I love that. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Brittany. Yes. Oh, which that reminds me. Do we have Deadpool two on our family thing? Because I was saw Cable the other day. Speaking of Deadpool, and I was like, you know what? I need to watch Deadpool two again. Um. I think we have it on our family thing. If not, you can go check. I'll definitely go have these on that. Um, so just let me know. I like the second Deadpool. Like, I, I I, don't know. Like, I find that I like the first one better, but I still oh, yeah. like, but I, I like a lot more aspects of the second one, like, because there was more people, I think, you know, and the first one really just had, like, this really hyper-focused, um, uh, moment you know and there's only like three people in the freaking movie but you know it's an origin story right so i think what i like, like more about one the is... second one compared to the first one is that the first one you had to keep going back to the backstory and i was like okay i'm tired mm-hmm. of the backstory i just want like yes. what like when you're trying to like for a rewatch value when you just want to watch the other scenes and you're having to go back and watch, like, okay, I get it. This is how I got it. Okay, okay, okay. Now I want Deadpool. Yes, I agree 100%. Like, I like the first one, but you're right. It keeps going back to, like, you know, the flat. And I'm like, I don't need to concentrate anymore on this. Like, I want to get to, like, the main thing. So that's what's good about the second one. It's like, we're full into it. Like, Deadpool's a hero at this point, you know, or, you know, whatever, anti hero. You know, he's full into it. We really don't get a lot of, like, flashbacks, maybe, like, one or two small ones, you know. Um, but we're, like, full in it, and, like, that's what I like. Like, And also, I fucking love Domino in that one. Like, I loved her so much in the second Deadpool, and I also love Josh Brolin in it, and their freaking dubstep fight in, in, uh, in the prison. You know what? I need to watch that, too, now. Can you please check to make sure that we have yeah, that in our family that. library? <laughs> Domino's like, 
um, I'm lucky or something. And he's like, that's not a, that's not a superpower. And she's like, yes, it is. And he's like, no, it's not. And she's like, yes, it is. He's like, okay, we'll agree to disagree. And then you realize that she's the only survivor from the entire, like, X-Force getting annihilated. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe she is lucky. Maybe she is. We do not have it. Oh, we have to get it. I'll I will go have these on that. Like right now, I don't care. But okay, okay. I was actually thinking about Deadpool two the other day because Polly mentioned like the Juggernaut, and I was thinking about in the the second one where Deadpool gets so like fangirling that the Juggernaut's in it, and the Juggernaut like rips him apart literally. (laughs) Like, oh my god. Quick, quick story time while we have a little bit of time right now. Um, I had to go back and watch that movie a second time. because the first time I saw it. Cindy and I went to go see it in theaters, and we literally had, like, the most annoying human being alive sitting next to us that literally laughed at, and laughed, like, loudly and obnoxiously at every little thing, even the things that weren't meant to be funny, like Vanessa dying. He's like, ah. Oh, oh my god! Isn't that the Alamo too, where people are supposed to be like halfway behaved? Yeah, yeah, it was at the Alamo, and it was like I was staring at this guy, and I'm like, "All right, some of these moments are not that funny." And it's like, you know, we're trying to laugh, but then it's like you don't want to laugh because this guy is there, like being so obnoxious about it. So, He's yeah. like, "Watch me laugh harder and better than you." <laughs> He was a weeboo. I'm sorry. Can I say that on air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was a weeboo. He was a weeboo. But anyway, uh, Brittany, I think that we did an amazing job going through all of these top ten moments of the, you know, music moments in the MCU. I think that we are going to get a lot of them going forward, especially since we have Thor, Love and Thunder to look forward to. We have um, the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And not MCU-related, but speaking of James Gunn, considering he's doing the Suicide Squad movie, we know that even on the DC route, we're going to get some really good tunes. So I'm excited about this. But while we have a little bit of time left, let everyone know where we can find you and what we can look forward to. And I did have an amazing time with this one. I was like, this was fun. This was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be originally. <laughs> but then when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's fun. But you can find me. Uh, the biggest one you can find me is at twitch.tv at itty-bitty-brit. Been uh, streaming a lot of games. Haven't got to stream the last couple of days because I've had the flu. So hope you can't catch that over the phone. But um, I have a good time. Been playing some horror games, playing Bioshock right now. We do have uh, game nights where it's like where viewers can play uh, Jackbox games with me. And you can find me at Twitter at itty-bitty-brit0. And, yeah, and then that keeps up with my schedule, what we have coming up, Geek 5 News, all that good stuff. Absolutely. And I am hoping, Brittany, to get um, a few review articles from you. Uh, hopefully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but as for me, obviously, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm even on this other social media site called Vero that I'm trying out. 
um, that I'm just kind of doing a lot of, like, movie suggestions and stuff on it. It seems to be good for that. But obviously you can find me TFAB, that's C-I-A-F-A-B-I, or TC Stark is always usually my username that you can find me under. And then obviously make sure that you check us out, Geek Vibes Nation, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we're on Vero as well, YouTube, just everywhere and anywhere. And please make sure that you like and subscribe and check out all my other top tens, all my other articles. And keep a listen out for Geek Five Live, which is coming later on today. And thank you, everyone. Honestly, I had a great time. And please let me know what your favorite music moments were from the MCU. Brittany, as always, it's been a hell of a lot of fun. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Have a great day. It was an amazing time. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye. See you. Bye.